Welcome to this service for Sunday the 13th of September, the 14th Sunday after Trinity. My name is Roger Huggins and I head up the ministry team at St Matthew's in Salford Prize. Our service today uh, includes readings by Frank Foster, uh, a sermon by Tim Jakes and prayers by Alan Stevens. Let's begin with a short prayer. Heavenly Father, please be with each one of us this morning as we meet to worship you in our own homes. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word this morning. This we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. 
Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us to amend what we are, and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. And may the God of love bring us back to himself, forgive us our sins, and assure us of his eternal love, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Collect for today, the 14th Sunday after Trinity. Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence. Give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. Our next hymn is Be Thou My Guardian and My Guide, and Hear Me When I Call.
The reading is taken from Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. The Gospel reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he, him with me he begged and I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him cancelled the debt and let him go but when that servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins he grabbed him and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me and I will pay it back but he refused Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Heavenly Father, please speak to us this morning. Please take my words 
and use them. Amen. A man was having breakfast one morning, looking out of his kitchen window. He called out to his wife, Look at that washing on next door's line, it's filthy! They need some new washing powder. Maybe you should go over and offer them some washing tips. His wife didn't say anything and just carried on with her breakfast. The next day, the man looked out of the window again. Goodness me, he said, their washing today is spotless. Did you go around to give them some advice? No, replied his wife, but yesterday afternoon I did clean our windows. Perspective is an important thing, and it comes out in our Bible passages this morning. In the Gospel reading, Peter comes to, ask, comes to Jesus and asks, How many times shall I forgive my brother? Up to seven times. The implication is Peter that thinks he's pitched pretty high. Really? As many as seven times, Jesus? That seems an awful lot. He doesn't get the reply he expects. Jesus says, not seven, but seventy-seven. Or in some translations, seventy times seven. The number itself isn't important. What Jesus is saying is that there shouldn't be a limit upon our willingness to forgive. The parable he goes on to tell isn't difficult to understand. The unmerciful servant is forgiven an enormous debt by his master, but is not willing to forgive the much smaller debt that he is owed by his fellow servant. The master, understandably, is angered by this and punishes the servant, not for the original debt, but for his lack of mercy. Perspective is important in this parable. Taking a narrow view looking just at the servant's position vis-à-vis his fellow servant, justice is on his side. He's in the right. The man owes him money, and he hasn't paid it. He is entitled to demand repayment. But taking a wider view, his position is difficult to sustain. He has just been forgiven a truly unaffordable debt by his master. How can he refuse to offer forgiveness of something so much less significant to someone else? Few would deny that forgiveness is a force for good. It's evidently positive for people to be able to forgive one another, for relationships to be healed, for enemies to be reconciled. But as C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Forgiveness is a good thing, but it isn't an easy thing, and repeatedly forgiving the same person is even harder. But Jesus leaves us in no doubt about how important it is that we practice forgiveness. And this is emphasised when we consider the incredible extent of God's mercy for each of us. Thankfully, God doesn't rhetorically ask, Shall I forgive you seven times, Tim? But instead offers me forgiveness again and again and again. When he was dealing with his peers, the servant forgot the mercy that he'd been shown by his master. His view of himself was principally as someone who had been wronged, rather than someone who had done wrong and yet been forgiven. We shouldn't make the same mistake in forming our own self-identity. Perspective is important in the New Testament reading too. Paul is dealing with a food fight in the early church. On one side were those who felt that observance of the Old Testament dietary rules remained important. 
On the other were those who felt that they'd been liberated under the new covenant to eat what they wanted. To each this was an important issue, and each was as certain as the other that they were right. Paul's response is clear. Do not pass judgment on disputable matters. The man who eats everything must not look down on the man who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. The temptation to pass judgment is constant and sometimes subtle. On some topics I have pretty strong views and probably feel as certain that I am right as those on either side of the food fight to whom Paul was writing. And the temptation is to belittle those whose views are different, to ignore any perspective which contradicts my own, to sacrifice humility and love in the name of being right. Paul dealt with a similar dispute in his first letter to the Corinthians, and in chapter 8 he wrote, We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. We all possess knowledge, and we all think we know what is right. But if we place our confidence in what we think we know, we run the risk of becoming arrogant. We're not called to share knowledge. We're called to share love. We're unlikely to fall out with our friends or with our church family about dietary practices over the next few months. But we'd be fools if we didn't recognise that Covid and its associated restrictions risk causing tensions between us. Not everybody is dealing with Covid like I am. Some are more relaxed about it. Some are more worried about it. Some are adhering rigidly to rules and guidance as it is issued, and others are taking a looser approach. And potentially dangerously, we tend to feel strongly about it. Covid looms large in each of our perspectives at the moment, and we're all inclined to think that the way we're dealing with it is the right way. I don't think that difference in opinion is a problem in itself. Jesus doesn't call us to be identical. He doesn't say that we should agree about everything. The church is supposed to be a wonderful melting pot of individuals, of different backgrounds, cultures and viewpoints, united by a faith in Jesus' love for us that is so deep that nothing can tear us apart. That's Paul's point. Church, you don't have to agree about food. You don't have to agree about how you deal with Covid. Each of you make your peace with God and then get on with the important business of loving one another. The crux of the passage obviously isn't the argument about food. It's verse 9 where Paul writes, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. That is the perspective through which we need to try to live our lives. If we recognise our state as sinners, rescued only through the unmatched mercy of Jesus, the task of forgiving others is made easier. If we view ourselves and each other first as God's children, each loved by him so dearly that he was prepared to die for us, the challenges of putting aside our differences 
at tolerating the contrary views of others might seem less significant. Amen. We bring our prayers and supplications into your presence, Lord, knowing that you will listen to us and answer according to your will. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We thank you, Father, for the many blessings you bestow upon us, not least all the necessities of life that seem to pour upon us each day from our supermarkets, from our shops, from the services we receive. We express our deepest gratitude to you, Father, for that provision. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. As the Brexit trade talks proceed, Father, we ask that you will instil in those who are debating and trying to come to terms goodwill and cooperation with each other. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. With the harvest season upon us, Father, we ask that you walk beside the farmers in their great task of gathering that harvest and that we might contribute to a greater harvest, the harvest of your people to come to Christ their Saviour. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. Abba, Father, we're deeply concerned at this time by the divisions in our society and in the societies of other nations, divisions between young and old, those of differing views, between genders and peoples of race, between nations and divisions even in your church. Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon us all and bring us together in the spirit of unity that we must, may sustain loving relationships with one another. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We continue, Father, to be plagued by this coronavirus. We ask you, Lord, to destroy it and restore and renew your people as we emerge from this pandemic. In your mercy, Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Many of us carry old hurts, Lord, hurts which have come upon us through the actions of others or even the actions of ourselves, hurts within us that have come from intemperate words spoken by others or by ourselves. Dear Father, let the spirit of forgiveness come into each one of us. Let us forgive and lay down the burdens of past wrongs. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for those who are sick, distressed or bereaved at this time. We ask Abba Father that you are merciful towards them and that you bring them healing and peace. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Almighty God, look upon your church with mercy.
teach us to reject all the obstacles that fall before us in these difficult times and to go out amongst the people and speak the word of Christ with courage and with industry. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. And we join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our final hymn is Through the Night of Doubt and Sorrow. peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.